Hello there, and thanks for joining me in today's podcast, The Psychology Report. Depression. That's my topic, depression. But I'd like to look at it from the context of how do you prevent depression in children and in young adults, and what can parents do to minimize the potential or the possibility that their children or a child of theirs would be depressed during childhood, young adulthood, or into adult years. Let's put this into context, okay? About 15%, almost 20% of the population experiences depression, a significant depression at some point in their life. Many, it's only one episode or one experience of depression. Others, it's multiple times, but eventually resolve it. The cost of business and the cost of the healthcare system is well over $20 billion a year. And the efficiency, students at school, workers in the workplace, the efficiency of a person who's depressed is decreased by at least 15 to 20%. By loss of attention, loss of energy, absenteeism, uh, having to leave work early, go to a doctor's appointment, go to therapy, uh, lack of attention, lack of motivation, certainly functioning at a level less than they are capable of. The depression is a very major, major issue in our economy and our society and in our homes. The gray cloak of depression weighs heavily upon the lives of millions and millions of Americans, especially young Americans, their children. Many of the children are growing up, going through depression. We're seeing more and more girls, actually, experiencing depression now than we've ever had in the past. More women than ever in the past. So it's not necessarily a boy thing, a girl thing, a male or female thing. Both experience a considerable amount of depression, but we see an increase in it among the girls of recent date. Now, two issues. What can the parents do? What are the general principles that parents can do in the home that would mitigate the possibility of depression? Maybe not prevent it, hopefully so, perhaps, but certainly minimize it and mitigate it. Here's a couple of general principles, just general. And then we'll look at some very specific things that you need to teach your children. First of all, provide a variety of activities that are personally rewarding to the child. In other words, activities that they find enjoyable and rewarding and positive, so they'll want to do them over and over and over again and make that part of their life pattern. And obviously, the more that you enjoy life, the more you're going to be happier, be happy and be uh, involved and socially active and less depressed. And secondly, to provide a wide range of opportunities for your children to learn new skills that will enable them to obtain from life positive experiences, but a lot of rewards and reinforcements from the adults in their life, like praise and recognition from their teachers and their coaches and the people that they deal with. Give them the opportunity to learn the skills that will lead them to be successful so they'll be rewarded. 
Number three, identify any area of their life that is aversive, that is negative, that is painful or hurtful to them or putting them at risk in some way and try to minimize or eliminate those sources of tension and stress in their life periodically or forever. Kids are often exposed to situations that are painful. Sometimes there are other kids or peers. Sometimes it's an, a teacher that they just cannot get along with. Sometimes it's a parent or a step-parent. Sometimes it's a friend of they might have. Anybody that is aversive, anybody that creates pain and ongoing pain and severe pain for children need to be eliminated from the child's life. Remove that child from that source of pain because that's only going to lead to depression. Protect them. Provide that kind of coverage, if you will. And then demonstrate that helplessness is not an option for your kids. In other words, let, don't let them develop a kind of an attitude or a conclusion in life that they can't do something, that they're helpless, and that they're dependent upon somebody else to do it. Whether that's a task, or it's a skill that's trying to learn, or a subject matter that they're trying to acquire and learn. Whatever it is, they are not helpless. And they may need some help, but they're not helpless. And don't ever let your child get that conclusion that they can't do something totally and that they need somebody to bail them out. That's not going to help them. So those are just some general guidelines for parents uh, in dealing with children in the home. And um, that will carry you a long way in the area of preventing depression in your children. Now, let's take a look at very, some, some very specific things you can do as parents in the home to prevent depression in your children. Number one, build a positive self-esteem in your children. Build them up. Let them see where their skills are. Let them see that they are appreciated. Let them understand that they are loved. Let them know that without doubt. Help them acquire that sense that you feel good about them, you respect them, you love them, you care for them, you're proud of them, you're pleased to be their parent. But also help them see that other people think well of them too. This has to be verbally expressed and lived out on a day-to-day -day basis. Do whatever you can to help your children feel good about themselves and see themselves in a positive light. Tell them what their skills are. Tell them what their uh, unique advantages and their unique contribution to your home. And then help your child be able to tell himself or herself that he or she's a good person. And, you're, and they're proud of themselves, especially when they do something well. Okay, number two is develop a listening ear for your kids. Be there to listen to them. You know, in depression, we often find that people who are depressed have very few people to whom they can speak, very few people with whom they can confide. In other words, there's nobody to listen to them. They're not encouraged to talk, perhaps, but they're also not encouraged by people not being available to listen to them. They need the listening ear. They need somebody available to respond to them. So sometimes you just need to stop talking to your kids and start listening. Take time to listen. Listen actively and uh, very personally and in a very in-depth kind of way. So you understand them. They need to be understood. They need to have that sense that they understood and that people want to listen to them because they have something that worthwhile to say. 
Here's a third one. Develop close family relationships. Depressed kids don't have close family relationships. So that's what you want. You want to make sure that family is close, that family has a bond, that family has done many things together to build memories and to build relationships and to build a dependence on each other and a uh, care for each other and a love for each other and a support for each other. You have to be each other's support system, if you will. So make time weekly for family time. Do things that build a memory. Do things that build a legacy. Build things that will go on forever that kids will remember that we did this as a family. Family trips, family dinners, family outings, family events of all kinds, family movie nights, family talk times, family game nights. I mean, whatever it might be, be creative. But do it as a family. Okay? Also, we've got to help them here. This is the fourth one. Help these kids develop a problem-solving and a decision-making skill pattern. In other words, help them identify what problems are. Help them identify a problem to be resolved or reduced or taken care of in some way. And then help them make decisions as to how they're going to go about solving that problem. How they're going to go about preventing a problem. How about going to, how they're going to go about making a problem less and less over time. In other words, teach them problem-solving. Teach them to think problem-solving, not just complain about a problem, but how are you going to solve it? Every time a child has a complaint, you always engage them in a conversation of what they can do and what anybody can do, we all can do as a family, to solve that problem, to make that problem go away. So get them to think the solving of problems, not just the complaining of problems or about problems. Okay? Here's the fifth one. Make sure your kids have developed a strong skill of communication. To be assertive, to express themselves, to express their wishes, to express their feelings, to express their desires, to express their frustrations, to express their hurts, to express their fears and their anxieties. They have to be able to talk and express that to, to you as a parent and to others as well. Encourage them to have other people they speak to, their friends and your friends as your adult friends and pastors and teachers and whomever is involved in their life as an adult. Encourage them to talk to other people. Even if they talk to you about a problem, encourage them to talk to somebody else as well. Because what you're doing is building a pattern of communication skill, that they're learning to talk, they're learning to express themselves, they're learning to gain advice from others and get problem-solving suggestions from others and carry that out. That's one of the basic skills, assertive communication skills. Make sure that your kids are good at that. And be a talking family. Be a talking parent. Talk at dinner. Talk at the table. Talk before dinner. Talk before bedtime. Talk in the car. Talk when you go places. But get a child to talk. Get the children to talk. That's what you need. Sometimes you may not like what they say even. You don't agree with what they say. But let them talk. Let them express it. So you're part of an expressive family. Okay? And then, here's another one. Six, number six. And this is a tough one. Do whatever you can to prevent the loss of a parent in the life of a child. Especially before age 17. Research shows that if a boy, or sometimes girls, but a boy certainly loses his father before the age of 17, he, that kid is going to have a major depression 
early on in his adult years. And we know that children were raised in homes without a two-parent family, especially without a father, are much more prone to depression and obviously prone to social problems and drug problems and uh, poor school uh, skill development and academic progress and so on. So um, it's important that for a child, a mother and a father is in their life. Now, sometimes you can't prevent that. People die. Parents die. Parents are killed in various ways. That's true. But you can prevent it relative to the issue of divorce. Preferably not divorce. Preferably stay with it while your children are young. You know, preferably make sure that if you do divorce, that neither parent is absent or excluded from the life of a child. That's a big issue. You know, in divorce, we often want each other to go their separate ways, but we also want one or the other parent to not have any contact with children. That's not good. Dad's got to have contact with children. Mother's got to have contact with children. They both need to be in the life of a child. Otherwise, depression is very likely, you know, to set in. So um, do whatever you can, you know, to make sure that children have uh, both parents. But research seemed to indicate that the father is a very, very critical person in the life of a child. And then I would just add this. Try not to put demands on your children to be perfect. Try not to put demands on your child to do well in all the things that they do and that they have to exceed to a high level. Some kids naturally have a greater ability and can score very well on tests and do very well in school and whatever they undertake, soccer or football or baseball, whatever they, they do, they do quite well. But don't try to impose a standard of perfection on your children. Impose a standard of adequacy on your children. It's adequate. They're adequate. They're doing well. They're doing well enough. But help them enjoy what they're doing. Sometimes when you do things, you have to do things perfectly. You don't enjoy it. And the reason kids get into this idea that they have to be perfect is they're trying to avoid the criticism of their parents. They're trying to avoid the discipline of their parents. They're trying to avoid the wrath of their parents or parent, whoever that might be. So children will work hard to not be punished, to not be criticized, to not be uh, looked down upon by parents or one parent or the other or, or either parent. So they'll work to be perfect. That's not childhood. That's not good for children. Adequacy is better. And lower your level of expectation in the early years of a child. They need to enjoy life. They don't have to be perfect in what they undertake. That will take care of itself in time. So be very careful, you know, about that, okay? Hey, good to have you with me today in the uh, podcast, uh, The Psychology Report. We certainly uh, appreciate your listening. We're well over 23,000 listening episodes over the course of the past year. This has been on, or I've been on the uh, podcast route. So uh, we have a large number of people that listen and listen regularly and listen uh, to each of the programs, and um, you're part of that. So thanks for being part of it, and if you'd like to be a sponsor, there's a great opportunity for you. We'll not only have you be sponsor of the podcast here, 
but sponsor of the television program that I produce every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on centralvalleytalk.com. And it's called Dr. Teach Me to Parent. So as a sponsor, you'd be on both the podcast and the television program online. And you get a lot of exposure in the course of a week. So uh, consider that, and I'd love to have you as a sponsor. We're always looking for another sponsor. So um, feel free to join us, okay? Now, if you have a Medicare problem, Susan Hatch from Clovis, California is your lady. She's your agent on Medicare. Not Medi-Cal, but Medicare. Yeah, so if you're older or if you're disabled and you're on Medicare and you have a question, you turn to Susan Hatch in Clovis, California. So just look her name up on the website or in the phone book. Okay? And um, go to Chris Wong if you need a dentist. North Cedar Dental office on uh, Cedar Avenue and Alluvial in Fresno. So if you need a dentist, there's one for you. He's available. And if you need a locksmith, go to Lehman. Uh, Lehman Lock and Safe. He's on Shaw Avenue in Fresno, just off of First Street. So um, he's available to you. And uh, take advantage of that if you have any kind of a lock and key problem. So um, those are three. There are three sponsors, and do business with them, okay? They're great people to deal with. Hey, nice to have you with me, and bye for now.